0: Welcome to the financial dads podcast with paul fagan and jody fisher this is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics especially related to family and finances and here's my dad hello everybody uh welcome to financial dads uh this week we're mixing it up a little bit uh today we're excited to have a special guest host with us uh college buddy and dear friend paul becker uh, Jody's taking uh, the week off. Uh, he's got some family commitments he has to take care of. So uh, we're bringing Paul onto the show. Hey, Paul, how you doing?
1: Hey, Paulie, uh, doing really well. Doing really well. Thanks for having me back. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, Very forward cool. today's episode.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's so funny. Uh, we, we were talking about this before we hit the record. We've been on this this call for almost an hour. We should have just hit the record button. <laughs> we Although I, I I probably. Uh, lose a lot of friends and family. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We probably should have hit the record button. We were touching upon so many different cool topics um, that we're probably going to touch upon in the future in terms of generational wealth, uh, the FIRE movement. Uh, So stay tuned. There's a lot going on. So we're going to have a lot of good episodes, and hopefully we'll bring Paul back in for a few of those. Um, If you hear in the background, that's the authenticity happening. That's the garage door opening, if you hear that. Um, so my wife is coming back home with my daughter with donuts, which I'm not touching. I had the gym this morning. Uh, but, uh, so far so good this weekend. Paul, how was your weekend? How's everything going?
1: Ah, going really well here. Going really well. Uh, got to, uh, socially distance, see the kids, uh, yesterday for my elders for my youngest son's 20th birthday. So we, oh, we met 20. outside campus, stayed apart, but at least got to see them. So that was pretty good. Oh, that is so cool. That is so
0: cool. Yeah. This weekend was pretty quiet um my son had a had a golf lesson uh and i've said this on previous podcasts he's 16 so he is driving now so he drove the whole way up it's it's a relief having somebody else in the house that can drive and not being kind of single-threaded when it comes to driving so uh usually you know in the past it was me driving him 45 minutes each way to a to a golf lesson now we break that up so i could sit in the passenger seat and i could fall asleep or play with my phone while he drives right so (laughs) It works out pretty I I guess he's a good driver then. He's pretty good. As I say, I think he's better than me at this point. Awesome. Um, So it's really cool. So um, today's topic, we're going to discuss side businesses, uh, part-time income in addition to your day-to-day job. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. So the first news story is from U.S. News and World Report, and it's a survey, not really a news story, but a survey. Majority of parents want high schools to teach personal finance. Um, although many parents are teaching their kids about money, they want schools to help. So it was an interesting article. And as I was reading through it, that was kind of the top line of the article talking about how they want this to be more prolific in schools. But they also talked about back to school expenses during COVID, which might mean you have to buy a Chromebook or you might have to upgrade your Wi-Fi. They were talking about using credit cards to cover expenses, uh, where uh, more than 18% say they always use a credit card to pay for back-to-school expenses. Um, so there's a lot of things in this article, but I guess my two takeaways were, man, if you're if you're paying for back-to-school expenses like those little, you know, I don't want to say little, but if you're paying with a credit card, that's probably a problem, right, across the across the U.S. And then this other thing where they talk about. State requirements for personal finance education—they really need to bolster that up because there's only 21 states that have personal finance requirements in the curriculum. So, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, Paul, Jody, and I—it's a must, and there's just not
1: enough schools doing it. What was your take on this story, Paul? So, I think it was uh, twofold. One, we—we've my wife and I have always worked on making sure the kids understand things, doing either comparison shopping, looking at price per unit or ounce whatever the item is so they had that understanding but as far as your comment about paying for it on credit card so interesting so i I like cash i'm a big kind of cash guy i I don't like credit cards at all personally Mm -hmm. but i do use them probably too frequently right um and my wife hates cash right she loves the credit card so But what we do is we use the credit card, even, yeah, for the back-to-school stuff. So we use it for all that stuff because we're getting the cash back on the end. Now, the cash back isn't a lot when you look at our percentage. But over the course of a year, it adds up. The key is we never carry a balance month to month. So I'm like the credit card company's worst nightmare because I use it all the time. um, But they never get any interest from me. Very cool. Yeah, I preface that. So you're right. That's a great correction
0: uh, that I use credit cards. We've talked about this in the past. The credit card is a monthly tool. We I, we use the exact same methodology. I haven't carried a balance since I got in trouble with my first Fordham Visa card I way that. back when. Right. <laughs> I, I, I ran up a balance of $5,000. We talk about this in a previous podcast, many podcasts ago. And after that, I just don't carry a balance. So that's a good call out. Yes. I think that the intent of the story at least maybe i'm reading into it is that people don't have enough money so they're putting the back to school expenses on the credit card so i think that's the angle that i was coming from so that's where i was kind of no
1: you're you're right but but the back to school this year with covid you know people having to buy tech as you said like a chromebook even chromebooks are inexpensive devices generally speaking one you have to be able to get them because the so many people buying them it it was just hard to get a hold of them i was actually even talking to folks at uh, One of our contacts over at Google and they just were selling like hotcakes. My brother-in-law texted me you know, a week or so ago, two weeks ago, just as his third grader was starting, my little niece. She's like, uh, you know, having trouble because she has to write in like in a, a math equation the answer on screen or using the mouse, which if you've ever tried to draw on screen with a mouse to fill in like a little text box, it's ridiculous. So he's looking at an additional device to buy that, that attaches so she, she could do that. And, you know, I know their financial situation and stuff, so I'm like, but why? the even if they're doing well or they're not, why do you have to buy something else? You have some other tools in your house. So we, we talked it through and he's able to use some other technology he had just literally laying around and was able to do that without the additional expense of additional device, so it's a big, it's a real challenge this year for folks.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And what are your thoughts when it comes to teaching personal finance literacy, in in
1: schools, in high school, for example? So, so both my boys when they were in high school, they we did have a class. Uh, it was a business class, like understanding business, and you know. You know, debits, credits, checking, all these different components of starting a business, even business law classes touched on in that, which is great. But from personal finance, I I think it's great. We always, always try to show the kids how, what's the value of this. And probably not uncommon is the boys (laughs) who's like, well, who's buying, right? Mm. So if it's their money, they, they are much more frugal. But <laughs> so mom and dad's money, they want the shiniest, highest priced one. So it was really pretty funny how that broke down over time. And now, you know, they're very good with looking at their money, managing their money. Uh, heck, when they are 18, they each, and this is touched on, I think, in this article, maybe the other one, around starting their own financial planning and uh, investing accounts. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I
0: think for me, um, I'm hoping that my kids will listen to some of my podcasts <laughs> and they'll get some of this literacy. Uh, I, I don't think they're teaching it specifically in, in the schools where we are, but um, I think that's a commentary that across the US, uh, there needs to be a bolster. They need to have a more concerted effort to teach kids about money, right? And, and, and uh, talk about personal finance and all these different pieces. So I think that's something that... Um, you know, is necessary, and it's something that hopefully
1: schools will pick up further in the future. So I agree. You know what what ties to that, Paul? Just a random thought here. Um, You know, teaching financial literacy is very important, and I I do think schools should help teach that, and I think parents should too. Um, But the shop class, remember in high school, we had shop class growing up where you learn how to take things apart, build things, and do things. Most schools abolish that, at least here Mm. where we are, right? That believe it or not, in my opinion, is tied to some financial independence. You know, can you fix something yourself or do you got to call a guy all the time? Yep. And that leads directly to money out the door. Oh, it's a great
0: call out because I think we talked about this just before the podcast. My, my nephew, um, where his school system was, he was able to take uh, welding classes and now he's he's eighteen months out of out of high school, and he's and he's doing extremely well. He chose not to go to college. He's he's he's, he's got this job. He's doing phenomenal. It's going to be a phenomenal career. And he learned it all at the high school level. Um, in my high school, I went to an all boys Catholic high school, uh, and we didn't have shop class. It was just something that wasn't there, right? I guess they substituted it with religious studies. Um, so we didn't have that opportunity. But that's cool that you had that opportunity, Paul. To 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 have like a shop class that those types of classes that would be more hands-on that would make you more proficient in doing your own repairs or being comfortable with tools and and know what a screwdriver is and a
1: hammer and and all these different things. Yeah. In fact, both boys in college, you know, they have requirements where they go to school, great school. I I love their college, their institution. It's uh, an engineering school and you know, they do teach them welding and one of the, one of the, labs is taking apart a small diesel motor and putting it back together and it must run and so many of the other students are scared to use the tools and the machinery because they just don't know mm. they just don't know um, so that's probably maybe, maybe
0: another episode Paul that's right we'll have to, we'll have to, talk, we'll have to talk through that um, the second news story is for, also from US News and World Report and it's 21 apps and websites to help you make money Feeling broke? These ideas might help you earn extra cash. Um, For me, my my top-of-line thoughts were um, the gig economy is very interesting to me. I actually watched a documentary on it uh, last week uh, where it profiled someone that worked for Uber and someone that worked for Postmates or DoorDash. That's what it was, DoorDash. And, And it's very interesting to me. I think, though, it may be leading... Uh, are you know people in society down a path further away from the traditional 1950s style work, where you can retire and nicely, and then you die, right? Like you <laughs> like you work, you retire, you die. Here, I think it's going to be you work and then you die. Like there's not going to be this retirement in between. And I'm not. This isn't a political stance. Uh, I don't I definitely don't get political with these things. It's just an interesting path we're on because there are so many people that are using and they talk about in the article Uber and Lyft and Postmates and Instacart. And then there's, you know, making money while shopping, where they're talking about using these coupon sites and stuff like that. And then there's making money while exercising, which is interesting. Sweat coin and healthy wage. So And then there's making money selling your stuff, right? The eBay on down through all these different pieces. And then finally, um, you know, money and investing and getting your opinions, you know, uh, giving your opinions for money. I think when I look at all these things and it kind of ties to what we're talking today, uh, not so much side businesses, but kind of side gigs, side hustle. Maybe you could kind of blend it in there. Um, But that was my top of line thought is we're becoming more and more independent. uh, And the jobs of the future I think are going to be way different, you know, 20 years from now than they look like today. Uh, what was your take on this story?
1: I, I agree, Paul. Um, I, I do think you're going to have a, sort of a split economy where people are at an enterprise or organization doing, you know, jobs and functions, and I do think you know, you're going to have the welders and the mechanics and thankfully all those folks and doctors and physicians. But the, the side gig or, or the – I think there is going to be a blend of, okay, um, you're working on – say you're producing a show, right? So you're, you're working for a show, you producing that on Monday and Tuesday. The next day, you know, you're, you're maybe working for the competitor producing a different show. So that whole – Logic of the gig economy and moving from site to site to site will be very interesting. And again, not to get political, but that has huge implications from a retirement planning point of view, from uh, gosh, a healthcare point of view. You know, so all these things are going to. Tie into that, and you know, you're a 1099 employee or you're an actual employee, and I think that's where we're heading. I really, really do. You pull in companies are going to start pulling in, you know, experts or people with those skill sets when they need them for the blocks of time they need them, and then afterwards, okay, they're gone. We'll call you back, you know, maybe in two weeks when we have the next thing for you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. I feel
0: like our generation. We're on the cusp of the gig economy, but I think our generation, Paul, we're, we're, we're I think, I think we'll make it through with actual jobs <laughs> until yeah. when we retire. I think, um, or, or maybe you know, get close to it, and then we have to kind of go to the gig economy. But I, I think it is very interesting, at least to me. I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it because I'm, I'm curious to where it's going to go, and, and quite frankly. It's going to be interesting for our kids right now your kids are a little older but not much older than my older boy and it's going to be interesting depending on what field they pick is going to make is going to really drive what they uh what their career might look like right so if they're highly specialized in a certain field maybe they're better off being consultants right or They have the luxury of doing either, right? They can either be a consultant, or their skills are 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 good enough where they'll they're valued by a company to work there for at least the, you know, as a regular job. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, uh, Paul. I almost
1: said Jody. (laughs) Your thoughts on that, Paul? So I, uh, I I kind of agree with you, Paul. To some extent, it does depend on what they do post high school. But it also depends on the person, right? You know, I started out after high school. I started doing electrical engineering, and I decided i changed change majors and ended up with you at Fordham. And here I am in the IT field, which, while well, not electrical engineering, it is still the mindset of thinking and sometimes very logical method for problem solving. It, it depends on the person, what they want to do and where they want to go. And that, that's actually where side gigs can help you. Right? Yeah. Side gigs can help you. You know, maybe you, especially our generation, and even some of us a little younger than us, who have a traditional job, that's fine. But if you have a passion for something else, there's really no reason why you can't potentially start doing something. There's always time and money that are issues to doing those things. So it could just be, as you said, consulting, or it could be starting up a, a small little business on the side. So it yeah. depends on
0: on you. Very cool. And I think that's a great lead-in, right, to the weekly topic, uh, side businesses, part-time income in addition to your day job. Um, so my current situation is I've always thought about side businesses, um, and, and we've talked about this over the years, Paul. I think among all the friends, I think we're the ones that were thinking about this more than others. Uh, maybe I just, oh, maybe that's, we'll I just leave it at that. And I know you've yeah. had some <laughs> interesting businesses that you've, and to your credit, you, you actually executed. I think for me, um, I've not had the, I've not been able to successfully, I was going to say, find the time to execute, but that's, that's a, that's a, that's an excuse. Right. And I know that. So we, that's a psychological thing we could probably spend 45 minutes plus on. Right. But I'm just going to say that I just haven't been able to execute. Right. So (laughs) I've, I was great at coming up with ideas and kind of trying to work them through. I think the closest I came and I have talked about this in the past was when I just got out of college, a buddy of mine, uh, two friends of mine, I was living with my buddy and it was a guy who lived on the third floor in this three family house. So we opened, we started a business called Escargo express. And the idea was that we were going to raise uh helix dispersa M- uh, Mueller snails, which is the French snail. We were going to raise them and sell them as fresh snails to French restaurants in New York city. Um, that was the idea That was the business idea, and it was it was so crazy when I first heard about it. I said, "I gotta, I gotta, I gotta jump in with these guys, right?" So, uh, long story short, um, there was a lot of lessons learned from that failed business, but it really was interesting because it's an interesting story. If I'm ever, I remember being at some social functions, work wise, and and or uh, someone asked, "What's the most interesting thing about you?" and I used to bring up this story, and then people would just be mesmerized when I would you know because I need about a good hour to kind of dig into all the all the shenanigans and all the ups and downs and and the po- and the politics among the friends and everything but it was fun uh but it didn't work right it just didn't work there were some things that were fundamentally broken some tenants that were broken in the business model that I just didn't account for at the time but but it was a very interesting thing outside of that I I Always had ideas for technology business because businesses because that's where my lean is. I've had ideas for apps. I've had ideas for this. I guess in a weird way, this podcast is sort of a side business. Although we don't monetize the podcast, we're just doing it purely for the passion of disseminating personal finance uh, knowledge to people, and we enjoy it. Um, but for me, I just haven't been able to to execute it uh, for whatever reason. I'm going to say time, money, cost. I'm going to say all these different things. Um, but in reality, I think it takes a certain person to kind of be able to kind of do it all. And, 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 Paul, that's why I commend you for your attempts at doing these things. And I know um, you have some stuff going on. And you've had some stuff in the past. But what is your current situation when it comes to side businesses? What's your kind of your past, present, and what's your future look like with this? Wow. Um, so there, there, there's
1: a lot to that. I, I've always – had uh, an entrepreneurial spirit in me. I think I had my first job, uh, which was a sort of a sublease, if you will, of a job. My brother had a paper route, and then he was 12 at the time, so I was probably eight or whatever. And he would pay me to help him do his route. So until I found out he was making a lot more on it than <laughs> I was, uh, that's how my brother rolls. So You know, I've always been doing something, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, I used to mow lawns in the neighborhood and I was, you know, again, that time I was probably 12, 16 or all the way through high school. I used to mow lawns. At one point, I think I had, I was doing 20 lawns a week or so by myself. Uh, It's a significant time commitment, but I was was working, I was making the money and I'm like, wow, I wish I could drive because I could get a truck. And be like a gardener guy and really just do this. And, you know, that, that was sort of a lot of, in a way, foresight for me. Because now, when I look at that neighborhood, there's not a single person in the neighborhood that does their own lawn. Mm. So, essentially, I was a kid doing the lawn for them. So, I was like that. But that was a transition to this where I, where I am, you know, the gardener spectrum. So, I've always had that, Paul. Um i'm always looking for the idea that's going to help i like the i I like the independence of doing things um sometimes doing things yourself is really really hard though paul Uh, and what you have to do is if you're there are side gigs that you can do yourself whether it be an uber a lyft an instacart right there are a lot of things you can do but if you want to Take it a little bit beyond that, like you writing, for example, you could do ghostwriting, a lot of things you could do. But if you if you're talking about like a tangible, like a product or or something, or a bigger service, the hardest thing you have to do is admit your weaknesses and where you need help. And that costs money. Now that could be money out the door or it could be equity in an entity, like if you're starting an actual small business. So I started a few over the years. Um, One of the ones which I really thought had legs and we took, we ran it for years trying to get it going. In fact, we brought in, um, I started it with someone this time. I I learned, you can't always do it yourself. And sometimes that is really hard. So I did bring in someone on this one and he and I started together. It was a school supply business believe it or not so what happened was my wife went out to i think it was staples to get some supplies for the kids for when they were in grammar school and came home said the lines were nuts people arguing like she was like, it was crazy like paul i am never doing this again you are doing it next year my response to that was heck no i'm starting a business around this because if she's having so much trouble she's not the only one yep and we, we kicked it off. We got it running. Um, it was a really neat model where, you know, people, the class list would come into us from the teachers or the schools, and then people could just get a direct link URL to that teacher's supplies so a teacher could choose what kind of pencil they wanted versus what color markers, and everything could be in there. Here's the cart. If you already had that calculator, fine. You could remove it. We weren't trying to really you know, rip people over the coal saying, no, it must be exactly this. And then what we do is you'd, you'd buy it. We'd get it shipped to you in two days because we had a partnership with uh, the largest um, office supply company uh, depot in the country. Would make 98% of the U.S. in two days, I believe, was our, was our thing. But then we'd give 7%, I think, of that money back to the teacher to use on more supplies. And uh, people who did it loved it. It was a great model. Um, there's just a challenge, and that is teach schools can't say where to buy it. Um, so that was a challenge, which we kind of understood. But the parent-teacher organizations, PTAs or PTOs, whatever you call them, mm-hmm. they change over so much as to who's running them. And who has friends there or wherever? It's really hard to gain the momentum and traction on it. That was one of my more interesting ones.
0: Yeah, no, I remember that and I thought for sure like you were you were way ahead of your time with that. That was amazing. Because now I can tell you that's what happens, like that's what we do. Like for my for grammar school. Not so much high school, but that's that's the PTA is plugged into some service. And every yeah. time I see that box, I'm like Ugh why isn't that Paul's box? Right? Like, why yeah. didn't that come? Like, yeah, that, it was amazing because I remember you guys thought of everything. And I remember talking to you about it during that time. And I think you guys are doing all the right things. Right. And, and that's where it comes down to is like, even when you're doing all the right things, sometimes just external factors just
1: don't yeah. come together. Don't, right. Is that don't the why? Yeah. They don't align, but I learned a lot from it. Um, you know, it, it was a great experience. I did lose money on it, to be honest and transparent. Right. I uh, did not make money on that one, you know, because we had web servers. We had what's called PCI insurance. So it's pretty, you know, credit card processing insurance. Hmm. So if there was a fraud on the account. So you, you just learn a tremendous amount. Uh, sometimes starting these things up, or even going through the motions of of learning about it and digging it out, and that's what I encourage people to do. You know, if you're if you're looking at doing something, or even a side gig, or you say like I said, say it's a writing gig, right? Well, what what are the tools you need? And then, as Paul, you and Jody talk about this every week, right? The budget. What's mm-hmm. your budget? So, what is your budget from a time perspective? What can you commit to? to doing this? Different kind of budget, right? Not money. It's what is your time budget? And can you stick to that? Well, that's what amazed me during that
0: time. And I, I'm going to go a little bit off off topic because I got to ask you this question. Sure. Uh, when you were doing, I remember specifically when you were doing the school supply stuff, right? You got two young boys, wife, the house, full-time job, and this business. And I'm like, I don't know where Paul sleeps. Like I really... I was I was getting tired and my 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 own head was aching thinking, how is he doing all this? Plus the plus the fire department. I knew that, yep. right? I, I forgot about that, that little detail, right? Like how did you manage to juggle all these different things during that time? Because it was a massive time suck. Like I'm trying to figure out when you slept. To be yeah, honest and, with you, right? Not joking aside, it, you, you, you had a lot on your plate, and I'm just fascinated and curious. To how do you handle that?
1: So it, it was very interesting. Um, and then thanks for remembering the fire department. You know, that's been a big part of my Absolutely. life. Absolutely, yep. And uh, I was actually an officer at the time. Yeah, was, that's what I, I mean. We'll
0: throw that on the, on the pile. Right. <laughs> we'll so, throw that up there, too. You
1: know? so a lot happened. Um, my partner on it was we were at the same company where we we we're a large bank at the time. And uh, that's where we started this idea and kicked it off. So that was a huge help from a time perspective because everything wasn't on me. You know, I can come up with some ideas or designs. I mean, we, we actually wrote our own database design. We modified shopping carts to do some of the stuff we were doing. So it was really kind of neat. And he his expertise was in database and now data lakes and stuff like that. <laughs> How did I do it, Paul? That's a, that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate my wife is, is amazing and really smart and helpful, and she was really great with the kids with homework. Um, So that helped a lot. So when I came home from work, working in the city, you know, a lot of homework stuff was already done. And then we we're just doing whatever with the family. And, you know, in the evenings is when I would do it at night. And, uh, sometimes very late at night or early in the morning. So I did sacrifice sleep to work on this without sacrificing my family time. Because, you know, my family time means the, the world to me. I could care less about almost anything else. Yep, uh, It's about being with the family. And so that's what I did. I, I sacrificed a lot of sleep. Uh, for me personally, I found getting up earlier in the morning was better than staying up late at night. So I would do it before everyone gets up. And that actually helped me, Paul. And it helped me from the the time budgeting perspective. Okay, so just as a family unit, uh, if we get going at, say, 8 a.m. on a Saturday, that doesn't mean we're waking up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. It just means, okay, whatever it is we're doing that day, we're starting, say, at 8 a.m. Fine. That means if I get up at 5.30 or 6... I have two hours to dedicate to get this going. And then once we had it going, you know, again, it, it's knowing your weaknesses, where the problem is going to be. We hired a firm that would be our call center for us for customer service. They were out in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, I believe, hmm. out there somewhere in Nebraska. Uh, we actually even flew out there. So, again, you could see numbers piling up, by the way, dollar-wise.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that but, is, you're start, I'm starting to calculate the expenses. Uh, the, the adding machine noise yeah. is going through my head a little bit. That. That's... Well, the,
1: but those, those are decisions we made when my partner and I brought on two more partners. And they bought in with equity, with cash, cold hard cash, that we're able to throw at some of those problems. Because they, they believe this isn't enough where... They brought in some serious money to help us really try and get this off the ground instead of just two guys in my attic doing database design and stuff like that, which is what we would do. You know, there were days where we were working from home, and we would work it together in my attic in the office doing our day jobs, and you know at lunchtime or whatever, it would great. We would just work for an hour, mm-hmm. and then after work, we'd spend another hour or two on it. And then you know split off. So it, again, it was just trying to balance it all. It was really hard, though. I'm not gonna lie, especially that one because that got really complicated really quickly.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's. I mean, it's amazing. You know, that was great feedback. It was fascinating because actually more insight than I than I was thinking that you would provide. But yeah, the lack of sleep, and I'm I'm reminded of. I took a course once and bought someone's book. It was at a job. I I took a course uh, like a seminar type thing was called two awesome hours. And, and, and the guy preaches exactly what you said. You have to find the, the time in your day where you're the most productive, right? Where you could get a lot done in that short amount of time. And I think you were able to figure out those awesome hours that you needed, whether it was late at night or early in the morning, like you said, early in the morning was probably best. Um, the other thing I jotted down, which was funny, I did not realize you had the paper out. I'm paper out mm. family as well, so my brother yeah. inherited my paper route uh, when I gave mine up. Um, and it's so funny. Like the other day, I was driving through town because I, I pretty much grew. I grew up one town over from where I live, and I was driving, and I and I drove up my paper. I, I know exactly what my paper out was. Right, it was Monroe Place to Fairview Avenue. Right, so it was pretty funny uh, that once in a while I'll make that drive and I'll go down the street, and things have changed. Right, people are yeah. probably not there anymore, but I remember. All those entrepreneurial things that I did when I had the paper out, right? And I don't know if you want to call it a side gig, but it taught me a lot about, you know, at holiday time, I would I would wrap, I would make out Christmas cards and put them in everyone's papers with a rubber band the week before to make sure that was kind of a, a, a nice reminder that, you know, tips were coming, right? Um <laughs> And I was able to do – like they had these nights where you went to the newspaper and you can make extra money by signing up new subscriptions. I was never great at that. And that goes back to what you were talking about, Paul, is knowing where you need help. Sales was never my thing. Me neither. Right? So I need help in that department. I could could speak and I could talk to a product and I could talk with customers. But – that hardcore selling aspect was just never my thing, right? But but it is fascinating that we are both kind of in that world. And then one last question before we jump into the topics today. Um, did you ever think at some point when you were doing the the lawn cutting of turning that into a full-time business and where do you think that would be today?
1: So, yeah, I sort of alluded to it earlier. I, I The key I said there before was, wow, I wish I could drive. But then I can have a truck and then right. I could do this. Right. So I actually did. I really did. Um, but, you know, that probably would have been frowned upon in many ways by others. Uh, you know, family, what are you doing from a family point of view? But I look at it now and I, I, I was ahead of my time on that and I really could have had something much bigger. And there's something to be said for working for yourself. Mm -hmm. you know there are a lot of heartache a lot of pain with it a lot of responsibility from a financial point of view like making sure everything's good coming in and you have those cushions that you need um so but there's a lot to be said for you know the time is yours and what you do with it what you make of it is yours um so that's partly why i've always tried my own thing uh I've been doing some volunteer fire, some fire department products and stuff lately on the side. Got some new machinery actually, where I make most of it as much as I can in house. Cause I like doing that. I like controlling it from end to end as much as I possibly can. Um, and this time, uh, someone approached me with an with an idea. And because I've been already doing some of this stuff, another chief and he approached me like you oh, know a bunch of people told me I should talk to you. Mm. I, well, let's talk what do you got and he showed it to me and it's taken us a while it, it's very funny to see someone who hasn't done gone through the iteration process and developing something to get into a full product he's like I thought we'd be done in like a month mm. and interesting here we are it's taking a long time but uh, he actually got to use the product late last night there was a, a working fire not far from us and he got to use it Like it was great he's like it was so awesome to use it and he said you know he learned one more thing so now we have yet another iteration but i'm, we're, I'm trying to stop him and say no okay fine we could do this one last one that's it we need to say here it is because we started showing it already but he's a salesman mm. that's what he does for yeah. his living Yeah. so that's one of my weakest spots is the salesman side of it and um so partnering up with the right person. I've talked to many people in this one about partnering up and doing it, and it has to be a good personality fit. There's a lot to it. It's like dating, okay? But with the business in mind, what are their aspirational goals? Is their aspirational goal to make this a full-time gig where you know that's all we do? Or is there an operational goal, aspirational goal? Sorry, to hey, let's make some money on it, and it's nice money on the side. You, you kind of want need to be in alignment with that. Yeah, that's
0: that's very interesting, site because I think most people are looking at a partner purely financially, or they're not. I love that the way you put it in terms of viewing the partner as kind of as you're dating them, right? That's a very interesting way to take a look at it. And and you mentioned it a couple of times around independence and financial control. And knowing your blind spots, th- those are things we're going to jump into with the topics. In terms of the independence and control, I could tell you, um, I had a few. F- I have a few friends um, that are in their own businesses, right? So they're sole proprietor, um, whether it's a services or they have an offering or they had a business, a brick and mortar. Uh, what's interesting is you could see the heartache, and I've been out to dinner. Like I was, I'll give you an example. I was out t- to dinner with a good friend of mine, and for the longest time, when he when he had his own business, right, uh, computer consulting. Um, he would take calls during dinner, right? He'd have to leave the table and go take care of it. And he, maybe he'd be gone a half hour and come back or 15 minutes, whatever it is. Um, and, and then at one point, he actually gave up the business and wound up going to work for somebody else again. And I know that that was something that realistically uh, he probably didn't want to do. Uh, but, uh, but to your point, there's so much angst that goes into building your own business where you have to have all these things in line. But then when you're not in your own business, pure entrepreneurs, they don't want to go back to working. we'll call it the 95, right? They want to, they want to continue that journey, no matter how painful it could be, or, or if they failed at it, or if something happened where they couldn't do it anymore, now they want to try something new. So I think that's, that's very interesting.
1: I think something like 80% of all new businesses fail in the first five years.
0: Mm. Yeah. The odds, the odds are not
1: in your favor. No, are not in your favor. Not at all. Um, but it, again, it, it's your, if it's your passion and you're, you're sort of making a go at it, you know, I, I love it because even though most businesses fail, this country is founded on and runs on small business. Mm.
0: Yeah, very good call-out. Yeah, that if you look at the, stat, the statistics, they're there. You know, they're definitely there. So um, why don't we jump into the topics? And we've touched upon a few of them already, but maybe we'll just kind of go through some of the mechanics, right? So we kind of have this bulleted list that we're going to kind of jump through and kind of we'll just go through top-of-mind points on them. So do you incorporate LLC, sole proprietorship? Is there times when to do it, when not to do it? I think for me, Paul, I, I think um, – some people get wrapped up in, oh, I got to put together a corporation. Like, uh, and maybe you do, right, for certain businesses. But I'm going to ask you because you're closest to it than I am. What, what's your take when it comes to incorporation, sole proprietorship? What, what are the different, not, Or I should say being incorporated versus just not being incorporated. What are the differences and what have you seen?
1: So I've seen one. You get the right proper legal advice. Okay, mm-hmm. that's my number one rule. You, you talk to an attorney, um, and yes, you have legal zooms out there, and they'll help you. Um, things with some of those sites are they pile on additional services you may not need at the end, and you kind of get overwhelmed very quickly, and it still gets uh, still gets expensive. But you know, limited liability corporation is really designed to separate you personally so the entity is its own entity in itself it's its own um, thing where sole proprietorship is from a tax point of view it becomes part of your taxes directly so it's it's a line item in your income on taxes and things like that it it gets very challenging very quickly personally uh i've generally done llc Mm -hmm. uh, to try and keep that separation um some of them necessarily don't need it but the llc can also let you do things like then you have shares and so if you want to bring on partners you can do that easier but you can also always change your entity type Hmm. so there's flexibility um just think you know it it always costs money yep And and i think and get the right legal advice very good advice very good advice
0: and i think the next one that we'll talk about is partnerships. We talked about this a little bit already, so I don't even know if there's anything more we could kind of go into on it, but I'd love to hear your any additional thoughts
1: on partnerships. So, partnerships, uh, gosh, just thinking, um, again, it's really like about the dating. And, and do you mean from the legal aspect? Or I think just you
0: know? in general, right? So, you know, some people will say the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. Right but yeah, you've had good experience
1: with partnerships right and and so and and, so, bad. and bad. Mm. um so I've had partners that I brought in uh, I used to do a low voltage wiring sort of IT company where I could help people fix their PCs and or do wiring and stuff like that and two of the guys who I brought on to be in the partnership was a three way partnership there they just spent zero time on it didn't really help get anything going. I was kind of, it was, I was like doing it myself. So I'm like, all right, guys, uh, this is not going to work. We're done. I'm still friends with them. Mm. Okay. Um, but they knew that they knew they weren't putting the time in. they were like, ah, oh, I got this, I got that. And it just, it didn't work. So ever since then, and that was one of my, that was one of my first, first ventures. Um, I've always been wary of partnerships but now I've gone around a block a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think it is finding the right partners, and that's really, really hard. Yeah, I think that's key,
0: right? Because I, I had a partnership once, and that it prompted me to remember this. I had a partnership. I think it lasted about forty-eight hours, and it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. We, we were, we decided we were going to go into the, into the, uh, you know, the computer support business together, right? And I went to go. Uh, and you didn't f- call me? That's right. Well, this was up in Connecticut, right? So <laughs> it was just funny the way it happened. Yes, we, sh- we probably should have done it together. Maybe we would have saved ourselves <laughs> a lot of angst. Um, but it was funny. So he's like, I got this company and we decided to do it. And I go and I troubleshoot. We didn't even troubleshoot. I just looked at the person's computer. Like I clicked mouse, I clicked mouse around in just to kind of get some, write down some things of what we would do. And I said, well, we'll set up a time to come do this. But I, you know, I stressed that I have a nine to five job at the time. So I can't come here during the day, the next morning, frantic phone call, 930 AM, the computer's broken, you touched it. (laughs) I said, if anyone knows about a Macintosh, I went to about the finder, right? I didn't touch the computer. I didn't launch any apps. I didn't do anything. Right. And, and uh, my buddy was nowhere to be found. And he said he'd be able to handle these things during the day, but he had a nine to five job. So I told the people, I said, listen, whatever I came yesterday to come see you, I said, you're not going to get a bill just you're gonna have to find somebody else and my apologies and 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 it worked out right but ever since that point to your point you really have to have the right people that are rowing the boat in the same direction as you otherwise you're just going to go in a circle right it's just going to be problematic or you're going to be tired because you're tired of rowing all by yourself right but also you
1: brought up a point there and that is The hours of operation, right? So, when are you doing it? If you have a nine to five job, it's hard. So, you have to look at your model and what is your model that you're doing and what can you keep that division? Because you certainly don't want to necessarily be working nine to five and doing another job at the same time. That's how you lose your nine to five job. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't let the two interfere with each other if you're going to do it. We, I mean, where I am now, I, I, I've heard stories of people who are caught doing things working for someone else. And uh, yeah, they, like later. Yeah. So you have to be extremely careful when it
0: comes to that stuff. So uh, we'll switch gears a little bit. I'm going to go to budgeting. So how do you budget for all this stuff, right? When, when do you need the budget? Um, what do the budgets look like? How do you know? And this kind of ties to another question is how do you know how much money and time to invest into the effort and maybe kind of, so it's really budgeting how much money to invest and when do you know when to, to fold them as Kenny Rogers would say in his song, right? Know when to fold them, right? When do you know that maybe it's time to stop and feeding this business time and money? So why don't we start with the budgeting part?
1: So the budgeting, you know, it's really tough. It's, it's what can you swallow? What can you absorb, um, and still be okay. You know, so is it disposable income? Is it money you've had saved, money you've had saved for doing this, All right? So you have to uh, look at that. And what I like to do is, you know, take this bucket of money. Uh, let's say it's five grand. Okay, put that aside. Okay, and then decide. Well, okay, I'm going to put five thousand dollars into this, and then. You know, I'll reevaluate however often that is. You know, to me, I'm always reevaluating everything. I, I feel mm. like I don't stop. I'm always looking at, okay, what's it really cost to me? But, you know, w- when to fold them is really difficult mm. because you you have – so much invested in it, and not say like dollars, Paul. It is the time, sweat, and tears around it, and like it's a passion that you're you're trying to to do. So it, sometimes folding is hard. Um, the school supply, when you know we folded that, I think we officially finally folded it last year on paper, mm-hmm. uh, but we folded it long before that. We actually leased out. The technology and everything to another company to get it going to see if they could do it that didn't work but you have to be honest with yourself that's what it comes down to you know hey it's not working you know what is your time worth you know missing a kid's ball game or, or hockey game or golf you know, what's your time worth and if you're pouring more and more money into this end time you know, and, and the money's not coming in. It's pretty obvious. You know, This isn't the federal government where you can just write checks and not have the money. So you have to do that. So I like the idea of taking the money and putting it aside as a separate account. For me, my whenever I've done a small business entity, it's always been in a different bank. So not even a different account. I mean a separate, physically different company. Hmm. So it helps me maintain that separation of sort of church and state if you will that's very smart
0: that's very smart and, and and i guess one of the things that i wanted another topic we want to touch upon is kind of getting that idea right getting started and kind of the planning mode the analysis mode um I, i'm personally very good at those things that's what i that's what both of us do for a living right Is kind of planning and analysis right um but sometimes i'm, I'm guilty of analysis paralysis Right, where I'll analyze something to the nth degree without the execution. Right, not so much with work, but with personal stuff. I, I with work, I'm able to execute much cleaner, much faster. I think that's because of the people around me, and and the risk is lower. I think, if you want to call it that. When you're, I usually get analysis paralysis when my money's on the line. Right, and not that I'm.
1: Uh, I'm, right. I'm
0: not wasting people's money. I think uh, you know. I, I'm just trying to get to. Maybe I need to bring another. Maybe I need to bring a psychologist onto this I, podcast. I, say, but,
1: I think you need a
0: psychologist. Yes, that, that's what it might be. Uh, but but in, in all seriousness, I think I have a much easier time at work. Um, As opposed to personally, if I had a business idea and I want to get started, I'm pretty good at trying to put the plans together and and the analysis and stuff like that. But then I fall short on the execution because I get cold feet about taking that money and putting it in to the effort, right? And I think that's that's psychological that's 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 what separates the men from the boys on that poll. Yep, absolutely,
1: right? And that's why if you can take that money, say, okay, I am willing to commit – that $5,000, 10000 or maybe it's $500 and I'm willing to commit. And when you say commit, I'm willing to lose that money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's hard. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. But w- what are you doing with that money? So for me with some of the fire department stuff I'm doing, I-, I actually bought machinery for it to do it. I have a laser engraver cutter and now I have a CNC machine to, to make some of the things. So Uh, okay, I've committed a large chunk of money to it with those devices. If it doesn't work, I'm kind of like, this is awesome. I still have these tools I can still use and and make things with and enjoy and and become more of a hobby, right? And and so many times these things started as a hobby. That's kind of how the fire department thing started was I had this, I was thinking about the business. I wanted this laser engraver. I'm like, all right, fine, I got it. And then in the middle of the night, I came up with, holy crap, Here, here's how I can do X. And I I did this. And, you know, again, getting up at 6 a.m., right? I went downstairs, I designed the item, and within minutes of doing that, I had the product cut and the prototype cut and ready to go. So for me you know it's again it's willing to lose and sacrifice that money but you might have something afterwards when you're done Mm, interesting
0: now it's a great it's a great take on it and i think we could talk all day on this stuff i do have one last question or one topic i do want to hit before we before we uh close the podcast is really and, and maybe just focusing on getting the idea and getting started so you 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 get the idea, you want to start those first 30 days go. What do you do? First 30 days. First week, first 2 days. Like so you got this amazing idea, like what's that what does that look like to you in terms EMI. of execution and getting the idea out of your head and down onto paper into a pro, whatever that is, right? I'm just so, curious what your process is for that.
1: My thing is I, I draw it out. I do two things. I draw out the thing, and then from a process point of view, because like you, Paul, process-oriented a lot of times, <laughs> I, I do – sorry, real life. Uh, <laughs> I <again>. love it. <laughs> so what I do is I do a mind map. So if you've never used a mind yep, map. I'm very familiar. Way of yep. out. Your ideas. Well, maybe you know, but maybe our listeners don't, right? So it's a way out your ideas. <laughs> uh, I, I use it on my iPad. It's uh, the one I have suits me really well. It's called Simple Mind. That's the one I use because I am a simple minded person, and it, it helps me to lay it all out. And then I look and I go, "Holy cow! There's a lot to this." And that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. You need to lay it all out and understand what you're getting into. And then, for me, the next step is, all right, what's this going to cost? What's my um, cost for if it be materials and electricity? I, I go down to the, the kilowatt hour or the watt hour of electricity for some of my projects. You know, how, okay, how much electricity is this going to cost me? So I get really, really anally detailed about what the cost is mm. and then i figure out my pricing from there you know and then i bounce it off people i bounce off people in that field like if you had this you know what's this worth to you what would you pay for that i already have my number i know what i want to price it at okay what do they want what are they willing to what do they think is a fair price All right. and that's the question It's what's a fair price because right, everyone's going to tell you, oh, I don't, don't want to pay anything for it. It's free. Mm-hmm. No, don't be a moron, right? What is a fair price for this item? And whatever field you're looking to start this entity in, you already have friends in that field. You already have people who are doing that most likely because it's something you're passionate about. And you, have, you already have probably a whole network of connections. And you could talk to those people. And, and work it through that way. And is it a viable concept? I'm sorry, I'll probably keep going on and on. No, yet. no,
0: no. This is fascinating. I, I I'm saying to myself, man, I the one thing that jumped out at me, if if you're not tech savvy and you, you don't know how to use Simple Mind or you could always get a legal pad and start scribbling down the yep. the these things, right? I mean I think that's the fundamental idea is getting the idea, they say, get it down on paper, but you're saying kind of getting the idea down, but also getting down, like, what do I need to do? What is my checklist? What is, what do I have to do first? And trying to lay these things out, like you said, to the process piece, right? Whether it's a, uh, manufacturing or you're starting a landscaping business, or you're going to do an IT company, whatever that is, I think some of those fundamental tenants are the same. Would you agree? Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, what, what, are the, what's the risk? What do, what do I need to get started? what's your budget what how much money is it going to cost you know if your budget's five grand but it's going to cost you 15 well you okay but then also back to that budget paul right what are you willing to accept as a loss Hmm. probably the toughest question
0: yeah that's probably one of the tougher questions i would imagine so that's how that helps you
1: though understand when to fold them
0: Very cool. Yeah, it ties back. Well, there's so many things. I'm going to go into the summary recap. There's so many things. And we could talk about this, like you said, I think another hour, right? Um, At least, if not longer. Uh, But the two takeaways that kind of jumped out at me today were, um, you know, kind of separating the men from the boys type thing. When it comes to, you really have to get to a point where you're either going to get in the pool or not get in the pool, right? So I think that's key. The second piece was around partnerships. And Finding the right partner, kind of analogous to dating, right? I think that's another interesting concept that I took away. But to be honest with you, this is one of those podcasts that I'm gonna, we're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to probably at least twice next week at the gym, right? It's just gonna be one of those podcasts because I am sure I am missing things that I've heard, uh, and and I'll go back and say, wow, that was very insightful. And for those of you who haven't heard the expensive hobbies podcast with Paul, please listen to that because that has insights in there as well that I never thought about. And then when you described them in that podcast, Paul, I'm like, wow, like you really, when we talk about looking at all the angles and looking at all the expenses, like you were pointing out stuff that no one would have ever thought of. And you need to get into that detail when looking at expensive hobbies. So I think those are my summary recap for today, but I'll, I'll ask you, what are your takeaways? Or if you could provide us, what is the one thing that you would tell the person who's looking to start a side gig or start a business, whatever that is, what would be the one thing you would tell them? One piece of advice.
1: Oh, wow. So, you know, are are you really ready to accept that challenge? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself, Paul. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard. You know, it's very easy for someone to say, ah, "I could do this, I could do that." You no, know, can you really? Are you really going to commit the time, the the mental brain power to get something started? And obviously, of course, there's always a financial side of it. You know, so that that that'd be my my two cents on it. Are you really, really ready? Very cool. Very cool. Well, well, Paul,
0: thanks again for joining us today. We love having well, you thank on you the for show. Having me. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm looking forward to our next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.